Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Um, today, I want to do a bit of a deep dive into the importance of play, especially in terms of children's psychosocial development. So I really feel like unstructured, uh, non-guided play is absolutely critical to good mental health in children. And I don't think we value that enough um, in our society. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So let's talk about play. Now, and you know, there's lots of parents who understand how important play is, but I really want to help you understand what's going on in a child's mind and what's actually happening to them when they're playing. So one of the things that's important to understand um, is they're, they're not wasting time. They're not being silly. I mean, sometimes parents think, oh, there's better things they could be doing. They could be practicing their math facts. They could be you know, doing this, that, or the other. And those things are important too. And programs are important. And all of that is important to children's development. But I really want to make a case for unstructured, non-guided play. So this is when children just lose themselves into another world. They're playing with their action figures or their toys or their dolls or um, the, any kind of play sets or anything like that. They're kind of immersing themselves in that world. So there's a few kind of obvious things that are happening. One, they're being creative. Uh, they're using their imagination, which I'll come back to as an incredibly important life skill for later on. Uh, so they're certainly doing that. They're problem solving. They're relaxing. They're kind of de-stressing, but there's more happening. Um, what happens when children play is they are actually working out things that are going on in their lives. So they're projecting issues onto the toys, onto the play. So I don't know if they got left out at recess or they left someone else out at recess or you know something happened during the day that they're uncomfortable with and they're now kind of out of sync with uh, you know, whether they feel good or not about that. They will often act that out on their play that will be projected onto the play itself. Kids can do this with imaginary play as well. Uh, but they will often do it with actual toy figures that are in their hands. And so what they're doing is they're externalizing things that have gone on in their world and in their life that day. And it might be things at home and it might be things with their siblings. They're projecting it onto their play and then they're acting it out. So what we do as adults in those moments, when we've had a bad day or we've had an interaction with someone, we, talk, we either talk to ourselves when we're alone or we're driving um, or you know, having imaginary fights with people in the shower. Um, or more likely we're in our heads. We're actually working out those conversations in our heads, which is actually a very complex task for the brain. It takes a fully formed frontal lobe to be able to do that, to hold different conversations, to explore different sides of the conversation, all mentally is a lot of work. And you've heard me say many times in, our, in my podcast before that children are not many adults. So the frontal lobe that actually does that kind of maneuvering and thinking and perspective taking uh, and pausing and looking at one side and then turning around and looking at the other side, that's all sophisticated higher order thinking. Um, and it, it 
takes a fully formed frontal lobe to do that. Children don't have a fully formed frontal lobe. Remember, you are their substitute frontal lobe. You are helping them take perspective, you know, shift direction, um, motivate, inhibit all of those things. So how they work out stuff that's happening inside them is by externalizing it and projecting it onto their toys. So now the toys are fighting with each other and the toys are, you know, leaving somebody out and then the other one. And, um, and what's happening is they're, they're kind of projecting their stuff onto the toys and then looking at all of the different angles. How does it feel when they're this toy and that's happening to them? And how do they feel when they're that toy and, and they just did something to them that they did to somebody in the playground that day? And they're getting to try on and try out all of these different things. And you will see your children projecting themes onto their play. And often what happens in the beginning is it's total chaos in the play. Things are flying, toys are, you know, flying up in the air, all kinds of stuff's happening. You think, oh my God, what's going on with my child? What's happening in their inner world? But the play is often very exaggerated as they play with these big themes. And then if you watch, sometimes in one play session and sometimes over a series of play sessions, you'll start to see resolution. You'll start to see you know, the chaos has now ended and there's a re resolution to the story or the hero in the story has figured something out. Um, and you may see familiar themes playing out um, over and over again with your kids. And so that is such an important thing to value. They really are working out a lot of important internal things. And if you are in there going, why aren't you always hitting each other? Why, why, why can't you play, play more gently? Or how come everyone has to go flying? If you kind of interject yourself into the play, you're going to disturb that inner process, that inner world where they're kind of projecting all of their stuff onto whatever's happening in front of them. Um, so it's really best to just not get involved in the play at all. Just let them have that time it's often a time where they're kind of shutting out the rest of the world. They're kind of going into sort of zone, which I think is really important for them. Um, and it's, it's, I think, honestly, it's, it's one of the most important things that you can let your children do is just let them play and leave them alone. If you want to play with them, which I would not do all the time, but certainly once in a while, make sure the play is guided by your child. So they're going to be guiding whatever's going on. And you're going to be thinking, oh my God, this is dramatic. What is happening? What's wrong with my kid? Why is this happening? Um, but try not to say a whole lot. Just let the child guide what's happening and then watch for that resolution, which may not happen in one session. It might happen if, after you play the next couple of times with them. Um, and don't try to attach it to the real world. Uh, just let them be and let them guide the play. Um, but honestly, it's really just best for them to play alone by themselves. So I think this is really important. Um, so I want parents to value that. The other thing is parents often say to me, my, my kid won't play by themselves. Like they literally won't. They want, they chase me around. I'm bored. I so what you can do is you can start the play with them again in a non-guided way. And then, oh, I've got an email to answer. Oh, I'm going to just go downstairs for a minute. You carry on the play. And then you can tell me later what happens. So you can kind of gently uh, remove yourself from the play. Some kids need it like a little bit of a head start to get into that play, that hypnotic play state. Um, and, and they all they will also act things out when they're playing with a playmate or a sibling. Um, and that's really important too. But I think there's some value to kids just playing alone by themselves in this kind of beautiful imaginary little world. So if your child won't do that, you can actually work on gently uh, increasing the number of times that they play. So, so maybe they'll play for, I don't know, 
with you at first. And then you go and do something and they carry on the play for two or three minutes. And then you come back and then they can do something else. And then the next day, maybe they play for a little longer or a week later, they play a little longer. And you're just sort of massaging and building that muscle that helps them entertain themselves, that helps them actually get the feeling of, oh yeah, I'm really working out stuff while I'm playing. And I'm really enjoying this feeling of not having to share and not having to incorporate anybody else's ideas. It's really just their own little world. Now I promised I'd come back to imagination. So kids have amazing imaginations and you can probably remember when you were growing up that around 12 or 13, it became harder and harder to envision whatever it was that you were imagining. Um, and that's as the frontal lobe takes over, the imagination kind of goes into the background a little bit, but imagination is incredibly important for adults as well, to the extent that every material thing that is in your life was in somebody's imagination first, right? The computer that you're listening or the phone you're listening to, the phone, the chair that you're sitting in, the car you're driving in, it all existed in someone's imagination first. And imagination is an incredibly important uh, creative tool. It's also a wonderful tool to have uh, in terms of mental health, to be able to imagine yourself in a better setting or, you know, in a calm place, like it, it and, and we sort of lose that skill as adults. And I think that children, um, they still have it and they, they have imagination, a stronger imagination than we do, but as they play more video games and as they're in more guided, you know, adult driven activities where they're, you know, they're playing and there's, a, there's an adult or a counselor managing them. They're not having that unstructured time to really explore and lose themselves in their imagination. So imagination is like a muscle that they want to build. So as your children are playing in these beautiful play sessions, or as you are encouraging them to lengthen those uh, each and every day or every week, they're also building their imagination. So you put these two things together and you can see now how important this play is to uh, social health and to mental health. So really celebrate this, value this, incredible things are happening in your child's brain when they play. There's another episode that I did on play that kind of goes into more play that you can kind of interact with your child, where you can interact with your child. Um, you can have a look at that. Um, if you want more information on what we can offer at Connected Parenting, we've got all kinds of services. We have a whole team of therapists and practitioners. We have online courses. We've got my books. Um, we have The Village, which is an incredible place where parents can meet together uh, with a connected parenting practitioner who can guide them on their connected parenting journey. Um, I have my other podcast, The Mental Health Comedy Podcast, where we interview well-known celebrities and comedians about their mental health and give strategies on how to manage our own mental health. So check us out at connectedparenting.com and I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.